0: The Boga Honey Podcast.
1: That's why I, I tried not to have cams on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine.
0: What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing it I've ever. Re- seen. It go- I am all about. Just and- strap it to your pack.
2: Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia.
1: So you don't <laughs> want to be the next Mark <laughs> Kenyon. No, I'm a shit show.
3: <laughs> that that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now, (laughs) because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hello, and welcome
0: back to the Boga hunting podcast, everybody. This is a show for hunters of all skill levels, looking for knowledge and experience. So follow along and let's strengthen your hunt.
1: First light, first light camo. We, uh, rock a lot of their gear, a lot of the time. In fact, on a daily basis, I wear an article of first light clothing great stuff if you are a whitetail hunter it's great stuff if you hunt out west we love it their wool is top of the line merino wool is the way to go firstlight.com another sponsor of this podcast is huntwise it's an app that's basically your one-stop shop when you want to do anything with hunting on your phone. It's got social media, it's got mapping software, it has a place to buy gear, it's it's awesome. If you want to learn more, go to HuntWise.com.
0: Handcrafted in a small northern Michigan town, Bivouac Bow Company is Michigan's premier traditional archery manufacturer. Their machines and sanders are all purpose-built and they only use the highest quality materials available. To meet the bow ears and their truly one-of-a-kind bows, visit bivouacbowco.com.
1: If you haven't heard yet, there's a lot of buzz around saddle hunting these days, and if you're anything like us, you want to use the best gear available. If you're thinking of trying your hand at saddle hunting this year, don't settle for some knockoff brand. Use the saddle company that has been doing it since 1961. Visit trophyline.com to find out more.
0: One of the reasons we've been so successful hunting in the backcountry is because we've had quality products to work with. And we've decided to partner with Seek Outside for a couple of reasons. All their products are really made to improve the backcountry experience, whether that's backpacks, tents, stoves, or other backcountry gear. These guys really know how to make a quality product. So if you want to learn more, head over to seekoutside.com.
1: Last but not least, Steerka. Optics. Styrka Optics. Do you say Stirka? I say Sturka Great binoculars, great rifle scopes.
0: Yeah. I'm actually going to be rocking one on my uh, AR build that I have.
1: A little red dot action. Mm-hmm. Great warranty made in the U.S. Uh, check them out, styrkastrong.com.
3: Over the next month, we will be exploring all things private land. We will be speaking with land specialists, consultants, deer management experts about exactly what it takes to create your own piece of whitetail paradise. Tonight, James, Jared, and myself are joined by Jeff Chillman of Whitetail Properties. Jeff is a real estate agent, land specialist, and a well-rounded hunter. Jeff, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me.
3: And Mark,
1: that was beautiful, man. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. That was perfect.
1: Thanks, man. <laughs> you,
2: you do, do a bunch right of
1: his first introduction, and he—I mean—you crushed it.
3: <laughs> yeah, way better. Come than prepared, me. you know.
1: <laughs> so, um, well, thanks for for joining us, and thanks for kicking it off. This is going to be fun. It's we've been preparing for this month, and a lot of it's been with from me and Jared, who have spent. A lot of time on public land so we have very little knowledge or background in land management tactics Uh, so we thought let's let Mark who has more experience uh, lead the month and so he's gonna be the the go-to guy and he's gonna kind of be leading this podcast a little bit with uh, hopefully some really insightful questions Sure, Uh, But before we get into that, you want to give us a little background about who you are, what you do, where you come from, stuff like that?
2: Sure. Yeah. I grew up in a small town, northern Michigan, uh, Gladwin. Lived there my whole life. Uh, Went to Northwood University and then ended up graduating from Central. And I went downstate actually to... uh, detroit area to work for a family business and that's kind of was down there for like 15 years before i made the hardest decision in my life which was to leave the company that i never thought i would leave down there and, and come back up north i worked with a company called rusted rooster media for actually about three years and i don't know if you're familiar with the uh, christian casey kiefer and Jason brown the guys over there so yep. I've I, worked with, I worked with a...
3: them regularly i don't know if you knew uh, that yeah <laughs> that, that, that's sure. how you were
2: connected yeah that's no nice.
3: this this is all brand new information
2: to me. So, <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, Jason Brown and I, growing up, were very, very good friends, and we still are. He's one of my best friends, and, uh, and I got to know Chris and Casey, and, you know, those guys are have a super successful thing going on over there, and, and I came up and worked with them for, for three years, and then whitetail properties thing for me i've always thought how awesome it would be to to be able to share my passion on land you know as part of my do to do it every day as my job and um they just came into they had just come into the state as i was moving back up here and as they started continuing to grow in the state because i always thought a whitetail for illinois in order to do something like that for a living
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: as it started taking off in the state of michigan i i uh it just kept pulling at me and I just, I, I kept, you know, as they, as they started to be more and more successful, I ended up having an opportunity to, to do it. And uh, a little bit nerve wracking, you know, you, you, right. you sell land or you don't get a paycheck. So mm. it was a little bit of apprehension there, but I ended up making the jump about, Oh, it was about almost two years ago. Exactly. Um, when I okay. started with them, so, and having looked back and just loving it, you know, I spent a lot of time in my truck and in the woods and, in here in my home office and uh and you get to be your own boss you get to make your own schedule and you get to do what you love so that's kind of what led me to where i am here today in the land business so i have
1: to, i mean the first thing that comes to my mind when i'm hearing this is like was it harder to make the decision or convince your wife that this is like a legitimate job actually
2: sure. actually believe it or not i hadn't met her yet when i made that mm. decision we oh. uh, i my wife and i just uh september will be our two-year anniversary so you know, wow. it's kind of a funny story. I met her because I moved back up here. She's actually from Muskegon area, so okay. um, she hates <laughs> it, but I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. We actually met online. So, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, when I was working in Midland with uh, Rusty Duster Media, I was staying at our family property, my uncle's property, over near Macosta. So I ended oh, up yeah. sparking up a conversation in a small world. You know, she's comes from a hunting family. if if there's anybody that understands my obsession with you know hunting in the outdoors she she was the perfect fit for that because she grew up with it her dad's a big hunter and i hunt with my father-in-law quite a bit so it worked out so
1: so you were uh it was an easy Uh, thing to convince her
2: dad that you're an okay guy yeah yeah so i don't know if i've convinced him that that (laughs) still working on that yeah he's he's awesome so but yeah, that's kind of what led me to, to where I'm at here and being back up north. So,
3: And your background is strictly in recreational land. Like you never did anything residential.
2: Nope. No, I had zero real estate experience before I started with the company. So I had to kind of learn how things work. And um, from the real estate side of things, the land part was easy. But yeah. you know, from the real estate side of things and uh, all the legal and paperwork and you know, how the, all the transactions work and working with title companies and the list goes on. Um, mm-hmm. But that it wasn't that hard to learn. I have a business partner, Shad Woodruff. He and I share a territory in northern Michigan. We share 14 counties, and he had been doing it for I think a couple of years before me. So he was kind of. I leaned on him a lot, which was nice to have him there to answer every little question that I had and to get me started. So I kind of had an advantage over the average agent who just yeah, who just starts. I just had a, I had a little bit of an advantage over the average agent that just starts out cold you know right so and chad and i still work together and we kind of every day just kind of divide and conquer and uh as far as going after new listings and working with buyers and sellers so tell me one sec
1: quick question about that how you're mentioning you've got these these properties you're kind of a real estate agent like how does how does this work what's like this scenario work what are the i mean i would assume it's only hunting property that i would
2: be coming for hunting farm ranch timber rural homes so You know, it could be as long as there's land and it's, and it has, you know, you can, and there's recreational, uh, you you can do, it's a recreational land, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we saw a lot of, in the Midwest, it's a lot of like tillable farms. You go out to Kansas and you'll see Kansas and Texas, big ranches. Our, uh, one of our guys in Texas just sold a $43 million ranch in Texas. Holy smokes. Um, you know, here in Northern Michigan, we were pretty proud. We sold a a property called Clear Lake Ranch last year in Ross Common that was 1200 acres and, you know, several million dollar property. And, um, but for the most part it's recreational properties here in Northern Michigan, you know, you know, your, your 40 acre up North getaways with a cabin or your 80 yeah. acre parcels. We, we do also sell, you know, I call them like rural estates, you know, somebody that's got 30, 40 acres, but a beautiful home on a beautiful setting, you know, we've got rivers, lakes, Northern Michigan's got a little bit of everything. So, you know, I could one day, one day I could be on a, you know a ten, a little 10 acre piece with a teeny little cabin surrounded by state land and the next day it could be on you know a 200 acre piece where somebody's got a half a million dollar home and beautiful property and a river and everything else so it kind of ranges for us here in Michigan from that standpoint
3: so before you started with whitetail properties if, uh, correct me if i'm wrong you had bought and sold a couple properties already is that correct
2: yeah so it kind of goes back to when i was a young kid my uncle who i who i worked for out of college at the same company that i told you about earlier he since i was a kid he actually nobody in my family ever hunted he introduced me to hunting when i was 11 you know nobody my dad my grandpa my uncles nobody else's dad hunted he introduced me to it and he told me when i was a kid and i'll never forget it he said jeffrey if there's one thing you know i can tell you he said i don't he said as soon as you possibly can he said buy land he said i don't care if it's an acre, 10 acres or a hundred acres. He said, you buy land. So, you know, and he, he, I feel like he would always prod me and he, he owns several properties as well in different States. He now actually lives full time in New Mexico. He bought a, 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 a ranch in New Mexico and, and shoot elk hunts out of his back door. And wow. he's got a property here in Michigan, Macosta. And he's, he just constantly always saying, you know, there's no better investment than land, you know, and especially land with water. And so as soon as I could, you know, uh, I bought my first piece in Missouri. It was 75 acres at the time. I didn't, I mean, I really probably had no business. Like at that time I I was single and I just wanted my own hunting property. So, you know, I took a loan against my 401k and I was telling you the story earlier, you know, I, I had just bought a brand new truck and I had this real nice, fancy truck, you know, and. Mm. A buddy of mine is a financial advisor and he, he kind of jokingly said, he's like, you need to get rid of that truck. <laughs> he said, if you really run the numbers, you can afford property. It's cheaper than, you know, your truck payment. So when you ran that, when I ran the numbers on it and I bought my first piece on a land contract, I actually sold my truck and I, I drove kind of a junker. It's kind of funny. My dad was looking for a new vehicle. So he took my truck over and I took their and two Mercury Sable with 140,000 miles all Heck rusted yeah. out. You know, that's try the to, lady better right there. Try to try to be in the dating game, you know, with the Mercury <laughs> Sable, but I managed. But um thank God I did that because here we are, you know, several years later and I look back and, you know, my dad still has that truck with two hundred and thirty thousand miles on it. And we were just talking about, you know, he wants to sell it and what do you think it's worth. So I'm looking it up and I'm like, and it makes me think I'm like, okay let's just say that truck's worth 10 grand or somewhere about there. And I'm like, I look at how much money I would have spent on that over the years before it was paid off versus giving that up and buying that first property. And the swing, I I don't even want to get into numbers, but the swing is just like life changing. It's
0: crazy. You know, and
2: that's just one example, you know, and there's so many you know, advantages to owning land and, and from tax purposes, if there's farming income or if it's a farming ap- operation to just the plain and simple fact that land is appreciating typically on average. Just when the stock markets are going up and down, you know, that's the, the one thing financially that remains steady is land. It's it, it might go flat once in a while, but for the most part, it's going up. You know, they don't make it anymore. So um, what, were, what year were you doing this when you first started? that was
1: 2010
2: when i bought that first piece okay i
1: was gonna say because i was wondering what it would be like to be the person investing in land like 2007 and 8 like you know
3: yeah
2: um, yeah and i'll tell you that our company was actually founded in 2007 so if you talk to dan perez or paul sawyer or You know, any of the founders of our company, they were in the middle of founding this company right when all that stuff hit. And, you know, here we are today, 33 states, 250 plus agents. You know, they made it through, you know, that the crash. Obviously, if you were a real estate agent selling homes, a lot of them didn't survive through that. Right. Um, But land is a little bit different story. I mean, everything at that time was brutal but i'd rather own land during that time than stocks right you know or, or something else so yeah so but i started that and that was my first piece in 2010 75 acres that i bought that had 45 acres of crp on it which almost made the payment every year and i kept it for Four years before I sold it through one of our top agents in the country, Jeff Probst on uh, Whitetail Properties, and, and it, I sold it for double. Wow! Good um, so for you. I, I, I sold it for double, and I and I got that CRP income every year, and it was a, a it was a huge benefit financially from the tax standpoint because I had a, I sh- could show a loss on the farm a little bit every year. Plus, I yeah. got to hunt it. Plus, you got to you get to hunt it every year. You get to you get to enjoy the land where any other investment you really don't have that part of yeah. it either. So. You get, you get to
1: put cash uh, gas in it if you if, if you're doing your you know hunting right. It. So a guy like me, right? I've I've uh, I've got land only in the, the the land that I live on. You know, say I'm looking at investing in another piece of property, maybe in state or out of state. How I think mean, it seems based on your story that it's pretty feasible. Um, how feasible? How how doable
2: is it for a guy like like me or Jared um, who, it, who have it, really yeah. no background in it? It's way more feasible than one might think. And it's funny because literally yesterday and today I, I was working with a young guy that first called me on a really small piece. We just listed at Grand Travers and I could tell like he's super excited about owning his own property. I could tell he's got the passion for the outdoors. He's a big hunter. He's been killing really good deer on public land but he Mm -hmm. just wants his own piece. And so he's talking to me and I'm like, and I started to tell him some of the same things we're talking about now. He didn't think he could afford it. He was asking me about financing. And what we did was um, we convinced the owner of the property to entertain a land contract. Yeah, A land contract is a really good way to buy land and to sell land. A lot of buyers don't want to do that, but there are a lot of buyers that will entertain a land contract. The other way you can do it is simply financing. Most banks, Typically don't get into financing, you know, vacant property, raw land. I actually work with a company called Greenstone Financial. They're okay. pretty big here in Michigan. I And I work with a guy by the name of Brian Puriso. And he is an outdoorsman just like us. And I refer all my clients. I don't get anything out of it except for the fact that I know when I refer somebody to Brian, he's going to get them approved. And, and, and help them get financing at a really, really good interest rate. So they can buy a piece of property Um, because it's not, you know, and there's a couple other banks out there, like um, my one property down in the Midwest, I use farm credit services of America. I think now they go by the name of rural first, but if you got good credit and you've got money to put a down payment, you know, you can go that route. There's always the land contract route. I've bought two by land contract myself now. You know, if you don't want to tie up your credit or maybe you're trying to get creative and you don't have a full 20% to put down, if somebody take a land contract for less, you know, you can go that route.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of other things that people don't think about as far as um, like here in Michigan, timber value, mature timber. There's ways you can pay for the property uh, there's things that you can do to offset your taxes um, like here in Michigan, the the, the forest ma- uh, quality forest management program, you, you basically enroll your pro- your property into the, the, that program, and then they write up a plan. You have a plan written for you, and then you have to manage your forest by harvesting certain trees per year, thinning out some of the undesirable species of trees, doing timber stand improvement. And they actually lower your taxes quite a bit when you go into that program. And you get to keep the income if, say, you go in and do a select cut and cut some big mature oak or maple yeah. or whatever. Um, I had a guy, we sold a, she had, and I sold a property to a guy, Ogemaw County. It was 40 acres. And, um, it was just loaded with big mature timber. And I knew it had a lot of timber when we were going to sell it, but I wasn't sure exactly how much And ended up talking to him and he almost paid for the property. He cut the timber and almost paid for the property in the first, in the cut. Now, grant granted, what you're left with is not nearly as valuable, you know. Once once you harvest those trees, especially if if it's a, a pretty heavy cut, what you're left mm-hmm. with is not nearly as valuable anymore. You're going to have to wait another 15, 20 years plus, yeah, you know, yeah, for that yeah. to come back. Right, but you I've have tried land. To, you have the land. Yeah, and, and right. In his instance, he damn near paid for the land, and then he had— um, with the with the with the timber harvest and then now he's still got the property so i mean he could he could let's just say he paid two thousand an acre he could probably get a thousand bucks an acre after he cut the trees off at maybe eight hundred to a thousand an acre and 40 acres you do the math he made a quick 30 40 grand whatever that whatever yeah. depending I mean, on if he gets yeah, eight hundred. sweet to, you know. and, and so it for
3: recreation i mean give it you know four or five years and that's going to be some incredible whitetail habitat
2: Correct. And that's the big thing. So he, he, the guy is a hunter too, but you know, I told him he's into the, what he's going to do is that regrowth here in the first year already is, uh, I, you know, sent me some pictures and it's amazing how thick it is. And that's just going to hold that many, that many more deer. Um, yeah. At the same time, the, the, the timber company was in harvesting the timber, you know, they, they kind of from the logging trails. Now he has, he had basically for free, the trails were put in, you know, Mm -hmm. to get on the property and he had them clear. The They had a landing area where they were stacking all the logs and that became a really easy spot for him to put a food plot. You know, he didn't have to hire somebody to come in and clear areas for food plots and things. Um, and I think he's going to end up leasing that property out to some hunters. You know, if he can get uh, 2000 bucks, uh, for a Mm -hmm. lease on that property, it's thick. It's holding deer. There's trails. It's got a food plot. Now his, now his, um, from an sh- a pure investment standpoint, that's paying his taxes and then some. So it's basically it was like a free property. And right. He, and those yeah. don't come around. Those don't come around every day. But <laughs> if um, they do, you want to let us know next yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Like, be exactly. cool.
2: You know. <laughs> exactly. And and I'll say that you know that's just one example of some of the different things you can do. Uh, I've got another one listed right now in Kalkaska County that has. About 33 acres that's been farmed before. Uh, the gentleman that owns it now isn't farming it. He just hunts it and didn't want to mess with it. But I've got a, a guy that's interested in it, and we're already making some calls. There's a guy that is an, a big alfalfa farmer just on the corner, two properties over. And I said, Hey, I'm sure he'll farm it. And it looks like that guy's interested in, in farming it, which is going to help this guy purchase it because he's looking at it and going, If I can, if I can not only have get a little bit of income off it but then also if the whole 33 acres was in alfalfa i mean it's just going to pull more deer on the property at the same yeah. time mm-hmm. now, so.
1: now what's the, when you're doing a, a land contract with people it's a really interesting way to do it and it's like especially it's great for when you know somebody or it's just a great deal to, to buy it that way but how what kind of terms are you looking at when you're um when you're talking land contracts?
2: Yeah, yeah typically you know what we've been i mean The one that I'm working on right now, usually a three to five year balloon, sometimes a seller would go out to a 10 year Uh, interest rate right now on a land contract, you know, typically a three to five year balloon, sometimes as long as a 10 year, depending on what the seller's situation is, how quick they want their money or do they want, do they not care about getting their money and they wanted, they'd rather ride it out and make more interest, right? Interest rate. Typically a percent or two higher than what you can get at a bank. Like right now, I think I'm, I'm doing one at 5%. Uh, mm-hmm. If you were to go to Greenstone to get a loan, you could probably be in the high fours right now. So typically I'm seeing like 5 to 6%. And then the good thing at, from a seller standpoint, a lot of times when somebody has to, if they, if they need to do a land contract because they can't get, maybe they can't get approved for one reason or another, or maybe, right. you know, they just bought a house and, you know, for whatever the reason is, If they want to do a land contract, for the most part, a lot of times the sellers usually get a little bit better asking price. If they're going to hold the note, they're going to finance the property and be the bank, you know, it's got to be worth it for them. They're going to have to get a good interest rate. They're going to have to get a good amount of money down and they're going to have to get, you know, a good offer to make them entice them to do that versus just saying, you know, just give me, give me the cash for it or get a loan through a bank. And you know, if the property is a hundred thousand dollars, I want my hundred thousand. I don't want to mess with that. So mm. you gotta, you gotta, you know, it, it, it's a good way to do it, but it's gotta, gotta be uh, appealing to the seller too. Yeah. So
3: let's say we have our finances kind of in order. We know in general what it is that we want to spend. Where do you go next? Where do I start?
2: Yeah, it's it's really pretty simple. I mean, you call up a bank like a Greenstone Financial. It's no different than applying for a loan to buy a house. They're going to ask you for um, your tax, your last couple of years tax statements. They're going to ask you, you know, your your W-2s or whatever it might be if you're self-employed. They're going to verify your income. They're going to check your credit. They're going to look at, you know, your debt to income ratio, and they're going to, they're going to um, put you through an approval process. And then they'll let you know, based on your credit, your debt to income ratio and all those things, how much you're approved to spend. And I tell a lot of buyers that uh, before they go out and shopping and spending all this time and walking properties and calling real estate agents like myself to go meet them and walk properties, Really the first step is to get pre-approved because if you find the one you want and you want to make an offer on it you're going to have to go through all those steps anyways. Yep. I, you need to get that out of the way up front so that when you find the one you want you can you have a pre-approval letter from your bank which is going to give the seller even more confidence in your offer and you don't have to have your offer be contingent on financing approval. See what I'm saying? And and then you can you can make your offer with confidence not I wonder if I can get approved for this or not. You already know, and you, you may be you may be able to 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 afford a little bit more than you thought. You know, I think you know the the, the biggest thing is going through the pre approval process, getting a hold of yeah. a guy like Brian at Greenstone Financial, and and uh, running your numbers. You know, and, right. and and if and if you have questions. I get those questions a lot every day. Like the yeah, the, the, younger the younger guy that I'm working with now on the land contract, he said, he asked that same question you just asked. And I, yeah. and I just walked him through, you know, and, you know, ask that question to your real estate agent or somebody that, you know, in the business. And that's, that's the way to do it.
3: And then also taking into consideration those things that you previously mentioned, you know, maybe I was hoping to buy 80 acres of hardwood or whatever, but maybe I need to consider, a 40-40 split with some ag on it that's gonna have some income coming in if that timber harvest had just happened, or if I'm looking for that that investment potential and in something that's gonna be kind of patting my pocket while I'm going through this process. The the type of property that maybe you're shopping for, you know, taking into consideration some of those things that you've previously mentioned about income as ways to offset the cost. And maybe that needs to be, you know, you can get approved for something, but you obviously want to be comfortable in it too. And, uh, finding opportunities where there, there is some income that can come off of the land.
2: Definitely. Yes. Um, and you know, here in our state, in Michigan, um, that's a little more of a challenge. I will say in Northern Michigan to find properties with income like that versus, you know, in the Midwest, like in Iowa and Missouri, where, you know, there's a lot of tillable acres. There's, if, if your property isn't in tillable, um, it's got, maybe it's got pasture that you run out to a cattle farmer or there's a lot of CRT. Michigan, we've got to be a little bit more creative. We've got to, there is tillable in certain areas. The rent rate is a little lower here in Michigan than through the Midwest. But I would say the big thing here too is timber. Timber value is a way. and But yeah, there's there's income from a lot of different ways. And, and there's, if you find, if you wait for the right property, you know, you can you can find one that's got something that's going to pay. I've got one for sale right now that there's a cabin on it that they rent out every year, straight through hunting season, and the numbers are actually pretty surprising on what they bring in just by renting out a little cabin that's on the property to local hunter, to hunters that come up in the area.
3: Was that part of your reason for uh, going directly to out of state your first um,
2: purchase? Part of it. Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm a, a diehard trophy hunter, I guess, bow hunter. And, you know, when I first went out there and was hunting on a property that I had permission on, I just, I wanted my own to do my own thing on, but that was a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, like we just actually, with a couple guys that purchased a, a piece in Iowa, uh, it's 230 acres and there's 115 acres of it. That's in tillable. We bought it at an auction, believe it or not. And, uh, we, we, we cleaned it up. Dozed out all the fence rows, got a a local farmer in there that is paying us 250 bucks an acre for 115 acres of tillable. Hmm. It was strictly an investment. The taxes out there are very, very low. I don't want to push anybody away from our state here in Michigan because we have a great state with just tons of opportunity for recreation. But, you know, from an investment standpoint out there, there's some farms that have some, uh, you can, it's a lot more common. And the taxes are on average very low. That two hundred and thirty acres, the tax bill on it is two grand. Wow. For the wow. year. For the year. So when you run those numbers, you know, it's um that, that one actually that one actually cash flows, so they actually end up with some in our pocket at the end of the year after all of our expenses, which is hard to beat. That's mm-hmm. not a bad gig. So So, but, but yeah, I mean, the main reason though, out there, not just, not just from that aspect either was just the hunting, the size of the deer, big deer out there, you know, Iowa, Missouri, it's, it's a whole different world out there from a hunting standpoint. Although our state is getting better, a lot better. Yeah, it is. It is. With with the antler point restrictions, QDM is really catching on, you know, at our family farm over at my uncle's property over near Macosta, We once the neighbors that we had to the north. Went from shooting everything that had antlers on it to now the guy I actually become friends with him. He hasn't shot a deer in five years, and he's going for four year olds or better. It's oh, like wow. a, did a one did a one eighty, and it, and we're seeing shoot. My uncle had five or six bucks on camera last year that were would rival some a lot of the deer I had on a Missouri farm. Yeah, so our state is getting a lot better, especially in those APR zones,
1: and which you're is mostly
2: exciting. in APR, it's, right? Because you're north. Uh, that, Half and half, half you know, we, Shad and I cover basically from the West coast of the state, from like Manistee, Benzie, Leland, Grant Travers, all the way across the center, North Central, all the way over to the East coast to to uh, Alcona. So okay. when you get on the East side where those, they don't have the APR zones, you know, um, we don't typically tend to see, although I have seen some nice farms that are producing some pretty big deer. On average when you get toward the west side into that apr apr zone some of these farms that we're seeing where guys have trail camera photos are showing some impressive michigan deer and it's getting better which excites me because um not only from from the land aspect because that's what we you know we sell recreational properties so when i see a property that's got trail camera photos we've got one for sale right now in misauke county that he's got some beautiful deer on camera. Big and also some giant bears, believe it or not. Um, oh nice. And his trail camera photos are start getting me excited like, you know, cuz it's I would love to not have to drive 10 hours to go chase big deer. Right. And yep have it right here in our backyard. So
3: we're getting we're see, getting
2: there. Yeah, we are. Do you see
3: more uh, co-ops being formed? I know in our area where we're at in Gladwin there. Um, the Tobacco River Co-op has made a a huge difference. Um, Just getting by and just creating lines of communication between neighbors saying, hey, this is what we're trying to do. What are you guys up to over there? Yep. We're trying to do the same thing. Cool. We're all on the same
2: page. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely, I mean um, there was the West Branch Co-op, the one we sold the property that was a part of that. Um, A friend of mine sold an 80 acre parcel in Gladwin It might even be the same co-op you're talking about, but uh, um, they they had, they had almost 4,000 acres contiguous that were signed up into the co-op. Now, you know, different people have different, That's a big deal. Different people have different ideas of what to shoot or not to shoot, but still they're, they're at least signed up in the co-op. And the, just the, the overall general idea that the quality deer management association you know what they stand for the fact that you've got 4,000 000 continuous yeah. acres signed up for that in our state is huge it's it's great for the 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 not just trophy retail but just for the health of the herd itself you know yep. um yeah and then not to mention you know i always tend to look at it this way but it's just the, because of the business i'm in but I tell you, when I can say that about a property, it's just another selling point that adds value, in my sure. opinion. Yeah. If somebody's looking for a hunting property, and, and you know that you've got like-minded neighbors, to me, that I can't really put a dollar value on it. It might be different to everybody, but it's definitely a selling point. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's crazy. That that APR stuff is, and some of the QDM stuff that's going on up there is is making everything a lot better. I mean, we've been seeing it. Jared and I hunt a lot in Macosta, mm-hmm. Um, and the quality of deer is just getting better and better and better. Um, and so it's good to hear that even in Mecosta, that's it where it spills over to.
2: Yeah. The, that, yeah. is is County. That's I kept talking about my uncle's property, uh, yep. where our family property, that's where it is. It says over just North of off office 66 there. Oh yeah. Yep. In. um, the, the deer that are coming out of Macosta County, it's just a really good county. There's a little pocket over there that, you know, and I got another friend who owns a pretty big piece near Remus, which is just yep. south of there. And, um, I mean, there's some really, really nice deer coming out of Michigan, and it's just getting better. And that's yeah. that seems to be a hot area over there.
1: You hear that, Jared? There's no excuses now. <laughs> <laughs> it's we're, we're it's Buck City up there. Still got yep.
0: You got to fight off everyone else on that public land, though.
1: Yeah. It's yep. <laughs> you, you got to get real creative uh, on public land, especially in like you get there's there's a lot of hunters, especially gun season. But hunting is really not that bad. No. There's really not that many guys out. Let um, me ask but, you
3: on the flip side of that. I mean, those are all real positive things that you're seeing right now. As I talked with you um, a bit the other day, Jeff, my family is in the process of kind of trying to figure out a family property that we have, what we're going to do with it in the future, possibly shopping around for other properties. One thing as I've been looking around Asking myself, how is CWD affecting land values?
2: Yeah. You know, I get that question a lot, and um, I don't really—I I don't think it's had an effect. I think it's—it's it's in everyone's mind. There's there's so many different um, thoughts between from just people in the public to biologists. There's so much that we don't know about CWD yet. It's definitely something that we want to keep our eye on, but I don't really think. Of, values at all but it's definitely something people ask about and that they think about it's in so many states now and it's it's all over it's it, where it's it's in it's in every, it's in almost every state now so it's just it's right. it's and i think they're testing more for it now of course just like you know like anything you know now there's mandatory check stations so yep. you're you're they're testing a lot more deer so i think i think it's all i don't know there's a lot of theories and i don't want to I think it's probably always been in the deer herd. That's just, I, I'm not saying that based on anything scientifically, but I just think that now they're testing thousands and thousands and thousands and they're finding it. I've, I did a little research. I think the first case was in like the 60s. And But to answer your question, no, I, I, I don't think that's really had a, an effect on land values. Now, if it starts getting to be where it's spreading and you start seeing big die-offs and things of deer in areas, definitely I think that could have an effect. What's
1: uh, speaking of these diseases, what how's COVID uh, affecting what you're doing? What's what effect has that had on, on selling and buying property?
2: It's crazy. Um, but I, I think it's because we're in the land game and I'm not showing somebody a house where I've got to go inside of a house, which you, you can't even legally do right now. You can't right. show a house. Um, we've sold four properties in the last three weeks, I think it was, um, wow. or put, uh, not put them under contract. Um, I think a lot of people, I'm, I've been busier the last few weeks than I've been in a long time. And I think it's because a lot of people are working from home, you know, so they're, um, there's people have more time on their hands and they're cooped up. So most people shop for land online, you know, through Landwatch or right. Zillow or those things. and, and my emails have just been going crazy. People asking about properties. The one guy uh, was a GM guy came up. He's, he's working from home. He's like, I had to get out of the city. I had to get out of my house. And I thought, what better way than to drive up north and walk a piece of property in the middle of nowhere around right. people. And he, ended up, and he ended up buying a piece of ground. And so, um, plus the way we kind of spin it to everybody is most people right now that live in those areas where, this, where there's COVID-19 and coronavirus – wish they had a place to escape to where they don't have to be around people. Mm-hmm. So, right. yep. um, even though controversially we were told we're not allowed to travel up North to our own properties. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, we, it, there's it, a little bit like, going on by us too. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like that's going the other way now, which is, which is good because, uh, so, so really for us, thank God, if you had asked me that four weeks ago, I would have said, this, it, this is not good, but surprisingly, Um, So far, knock on wood, it hasn't had too much of an effect on us in the land, in in the land business. And and I'm kind of hearing that from our other agents too, and from corporate, a lot of, we're still selling land across the country. So that's good to hear. Well,
3: good.
1: That's, that was, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So, Mark, is there anything we should be covering that we haven't asked yet?
3: I don't know, man. I mean, that's, I think, a pretty thorough look at how to get your first parcel. I mean, we could get a bit into...
1: Here's what I want to get into. I want to get into uh, your hot takes. I want to know where the hot property is, some insider information Mm -hmm. that you might have. Where are the bucks? (laughs) Uh, in our state
0: on his wall um, right there
2: that's where they are yeah i yeah, know i'm looking <laughs> at him right now it's like he's just teasing <laughs> I, us i'm right not now. trying to show those off i'm literally trying to stay by the door here so i don't lose you guys again for for a poor signal <laughs> out here in my in my garage but uh in our state man i tell you what i really like Misaki county uh, a lot um from the farms and the properties that i've been on in Misaki county i it, it's a little pocket there What um, we misauke county would be um up by H- just just the other side of ross common so west of west of houghton lake yep yep so if you know where lake city is that's misauke county right in through there oh, misauke yeah. county Kalkaska county you know over to grand traverse is is phenomenal it's um, pretty up there too man yeah it is and um I don't know like we i just we just sold 140 acre piece with a really cool old uh completely remodeled farmhouse and it was 140 acres and it had i want to say there was 20 20 plus acres of tillable on the front so providing some income oh, and just a really nice piece and trail camera photos and harvest photos for the gentleman that owned it i it were i was it was it was a producer year in and year out also mm. claire claire county Claire County, Macasta. Those aren't in my territory, but we'll give Chuck Keefer some love. He covers that for us. Claire, Clare County is producing some really big deer in Clare County. And then of course, Macasta. Yeah, as you guys know, we just talked about Macasta. Yep. Um, yeah. There's, that's a, a pocket over there. My father-in-law just bought 100 acres in Oceana County, oh, yeah. um, which is which is. I was shocked at some of the pictures the previous owner had of some of the big deer on there. And then, of course, as everybody knows, in our state, Southern Michigan, our other agents, uh, Mike Valer, Sean Kelly, Justin Oak, that kind of cover Southern Michigan, Southeast mm-hmm. Michigan. You know, um, Jackson. You know, your Jackson County, Hillsdale yeah. County you know the, those counties are the best in our state as far as but you're also going to pay twice as much right sure. yeah but for big deer um in our state southern michigan yeah jackson hillsdale actually oakland county a lot of big deer come yeah out, oakland i've actually county. heard that Yeah, um you know my, my cousin Derek, who i used to work for at the company he, he he's got 33 acres Glenn county just north of chester hills is where he lives with his house and i call it like subdivision bucks like right. he, he can he can he's looking at some gorgeous homes in a subdivision through the trees and he and he's over a, he's sitting in a bank blind over his food plot and he, and he's he, there's some big deer down there and i yeah. don't there's a lot of farm ground i think they're used to people a little bit they don't get hunted right. as hard because there's mostly really small parcels down there and subdivision bucks and they get big um so
1: and they're easy they're less wary they are a lot less wary yeah
2: some subdivision
1: bucks uh by me that's how james likes them and you know what the dumber the better man whatever (laughs) it takes yep if you can find an even dumber like the the dumbest version that's where i'm gonna i'll I'll look into that land
2: yeah don't have to worry about your scent you know that you're you know the the food plot at my cousin Derek's house literally is probably two or three hundred yards from his backyard you know so you know, they smell the dog every day. They smell your exhaust from your car. They, yep. you, know, you know, he could as a matter of fact, they could squirt a cologne on and that might bring him in a little bit better. They know it's him, you know, whatever. You can bring him some food or something. But Well, the,
1: the biggest buck I've ever shot, the, the morning before I went and I actually built a little ground blind for some, uh, some public land uh, for the rut. And as I'm leaving, I see like 10 kids are just running up. Right. They have like bikes and they're playing like literally they're playing right in front of where my stand was that next morning. That was exactly where I shot the buck literally right, yep. right where they were. So I, yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. It wasn't the hardest, you know,
2: <laughs> they weren't yeah. wary. Yeah. And, and every year I kind of watch too, like Michigan buck pole. Uh, oh yeah. Or Michigan, yep. I think it's Michigan buck pole or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but they're, they're um, I was watching one of their programs and just watching some of the deer that have come out of our state and paying attention to those, where they shot them in the counties and stuff. A lot of them were Southern Michigan, but you know, when you watch that and you see some of the size of some of the deer coming out of our state, um, it's exciting. people... It's exciting, you know, Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to like the Midwest because we have so many hunters in our state. But if you look at the numbers as far as the number of hunters, you know, versus, you know, down in Iowa, I mean, shoot, Iowa, where we have our property, they only take, they only give 500 out-of-state permits per year. And it's weird down there because you go down there in the fall. They get excited down there. The locals about like first and second shotguns. Look, I've hunted Missouri during the peak of the rut, and there's a car whatever every around every corner and leave to head home, and I have to drive through Iowa, and it's like a ghost town. And, yeah, and that's why they get so big. They die of old age in Iowa. You know, we'll never have that here, and it's a good thing though. It, 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 you know, hunting is big here in our state. You know, not just hunting, but. You know, the tradition of up north hunt camps like I can remember as a kid, those are my best mm. memories, you know, and that's still alive and well. Yeah. It's not always about and I, I have to remind myself that too, it's not always about the shooting shooting the the, the big the biggest buck with the highest scoring antlers. You know some yeah. my, some of my favorite I have on the wall might go one twenty and they were shot here in Michigan and Just, you know, the memory is, you know, so that's, that's, you got to remember what's the, what we're, why we're doing it and what's the really important.
1: Yep. No, that's awesome. Well, I mean, we're coming up on time here. Um, Really appreciate you coming on, but for people who are listening in, um, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you or maybe one of their local agents and and find out more about Whitetail Properties?
2: (laughs) Call my cell phone anytime, twenty four seven, like I tell everybody, nine eight nine two zero five two three five five. So, and I can, and I, I honestly, whether they're whether you're a buyer or whether you're a seller, whether you're thinking about dreaming and wanting to buy and land something, like I love just talking to people and talking to guys and telling them what to look for, how to get started, and then I also work with a lot of my clients that I really enjoy. I get to walk the property with them when you know when they're looking at it to purchase it and I like to give them ideas and that's one of my biggest things is I like a lot of properties that I on, I want, I want them. I'm like, man, I want, yeah. I could do this and call <laughs> yeah. this would be a perfect spot to put a food plot here or to create some, do a, do a hinge cut or do some bedding. So I, I stay in contact with a lot of my clients because I build relationships with them and I help them give them ideas on how to set their property up. So just to call, you know, and, and I can, if there's any way I can help Buyer or seller or somebody that wants to buy someday and is dreaming, you know, I I love talking land. So anybody can call me anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. And everybody will uh, just rewind if you need his number
1: again, uh, because yeah, (laughs) not a lot of our podcast guests give their personal number. Yeah, I'll probably 24/7. get some prank call I'll probably get
2: some prank calls. Now that's okay.
1: <laughs> if you get some, it's
2: Jared. Just guarantee. Yeah. It's nothing compared to the amount of spam calls that I get that I and I and now that I'm in real estate I have to answer the phone every time it rings yep. and there's nothing worse now. You know, norm it used to be if you don't recognize the number, you could just let it go to voicemail. Now yep. I nope. I gotta pick it up every time. But yeah, I'm used to it.
0: Press two yeah. to take me off the list yeah and
2: and sometimes i wonder if that means they're actually off that list you get 10 right i know yeah exactly now you're on the list (laughs) yeah so but no i appreciate you guys having me on it was great to talk and it's been a pleasure keep in touch all of us if you guys have questions too personally and want me to look at anything or answer questions or whether it be finance or just ideas on setting a property up I, i love it i love talking I love talking land and deer hunting and setting up farms, so call me anytime.
1: Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely probably take you up on that. So uh, thank you very much, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along and what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on, and follow us on Instagram, at Boga Hunting.